Letter two of Evelina. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ed Mead. Evelina by Fanny Burney. Letter two from Mr. Villars to Lady Howard. Berry Hill, Dorsetshire. Your ladyship did but too well foresee the perplexity and uneasiness of which Madame Duval's letter has been productive. However, I ought rather to be thankful that I have so many years remained unmolested than repine at my present embarrassment, since it proves at least that this wretched woman is at length awakened to remorse. In regard to my answer, I must humbly request your ladyship to write to this effect, that I would not, upon any account, intentionally offend Madame Duval, but that I have weighty, nay unanswerable reasons for detaining her granddaughter at present in England, the principle of which is, that it was the earnest desire of one to whose will she owes implicit duty. Madame Duval may be assured that she meets with the utmost attention and tenderness, that her education, however short of my wishes, almost exceeds my abilities, and I flatter myself, when the time arrives that she shall pay her duty to her grandmother, Madame Duval will find no reason to be dissatisfied with what has been done for her. Your ladyship will not, I am sure, be surprised at this answer. Madame Duval is by no means a proper companion or guardian for a young woman. She is at once uneducated and unprincipled, ungentle in temper and unamiable in her manners. I have long known that she has persuaded herself to harbour an aversion for me. Unhappy woman, I can only regard her as an object of pity. I dare not hesitate at a request from Mrs. Mervyn, yet in complying with it I shall for her own sake be as concise as I possibly can, since the cruel transactions which preceded the birth of my ward can afford no entertainment to a mind so humane as hers. Your ladyship may probably have heard that I had the honour to accompany Mr. Evelyn, the grandfather of my young charge, when upon his travels in the capacity of a tutor. His unhappy marriage, immediately upon his return to England with Madame Duval, then a waiting girl at a tavern, contrary to the advice and entreaties of all his friends, among whom I was myself the most urgent, induced him to abandon his native land and fix his abode in France. Thither he was followed by shame and repentance, feelings which his heart was not framed to support, for notwithstanding he had been too weak to resist the allurements of beauty, which nature, though a nigger to her of every other boon, had with a lavish hand bestowed on his wife, yet he was a young man of excellent character, until thus unaccountably infatuated of unblemished conduct. He survived this ill-judged marriage but two years. Upon his deathbed, with an unsteady hand, he wrote me the following note. My friend, forget your resentment in favor of your humanity. A father, trembling for the welfare of his child, bequeaths her to your care. O Villars, hear, pity, and relieve me. Had my circumstances permitted me, I should have answered these words by an immediate journey to Paris but I was obliged to act by the agency of a friend, who was upon the spot and present at the opening of the will. Mr. Evelyn left to me a legacy of a thousand pounds, 
and the sole guardianship of his daughter's person till her eighteenth year, conjuring me, in the most affecting terms, to take the charge of her education till she was able to act with propriety for herself. But in regard to fortune, he left her wholly dependent on her mother, to whose tenderness he earnestly recommended her. Thus, though he would not, to a woman low-bred and illiberal as Mrs. Evelyn, trust the conduct and morals of his daughter, he nevertheless thought proper to secure to her the respect and duty to which, from her own child, were certainly her due. But unhappily it never occurred to him that the mother, on her part, could fail in affection or justice. Miss Evelyn, madam, from the second to the eighteenth year of her life, was brought up under my care, and except when at school, under my roof. I need not speak to your ladyship of the virtues of that excellent young creature. She loved me as her father, nor was Mrs. Villers less valued by her, while to me she became so dear that her loss was little less afflicting than that which I have since sustained of Mrs. Villers herself. At that period of her life we parted. Her mother, then married to Monsieur Duval, sent for her to Paris. How often have I since regretted that I did not accompany her thither. Protected and supported by me, the misery and disgrace which awaited her might perhaps have been avoided. But to be brief, Madame Duval, at the instigation of her husband, earnestly, or rather tyrannically, endeavoured to effect a union between Miss Evelyn and one of his nephews. And when she found her power inadequate to her attempt, enraged at her non-compliance, she treated her with the grossest unkindness, and threatened her with poverty and ruin. Miss Evelyn, to whom wrath and violence had hitherto been strangers, soon grew weary of such usage, and rashly, and without a witness, consented to a private marriage with Sir John Belmont, a very profligate young man who had but too successfully found means to insinuate himself into her favour. He promised to conduct her to England. He did. Oh, madam, you know the rest. Disappointed of the fortune he expected by the inexorable rancour of the Duvals, he infamously burnt the certificate of their marriage and denied that they had ever been united. She flew to me for protection. With what mixed transports of joy and anguish did I again see her. By my advice, she endeavoured to procure proofs of her marriage, but in vain. Her credulity had been no match for his art. Everybody believed her innocent, from the guiltless tenor of her unspotted youth, and from the known libertinism of her barbarous betrayer. Yet her sufferings were too acute for her slender frame, and the same moment they gave birth to her infant, put an end at once to the sorrows and the life of its mother. The rage of Madame Duval at her elopement abated not while this injured victim of cruelty yet drew breath. She probably intended, in time, to have pardoned her, but time was not allowed. When she was informed of her death, I have been told, that the agonies of grief and remorse with which she was seized occasioned her a severe fit of illness. But from the time of her recovery to the date of her letter to your ladyship, I had never heard that she manifested any desire to be made acquainted with the circumstances which attended the death of Lady Belmont and the birth of her helpless child. That child, madam, 
shall never, while life is lent me, know the loss she has sustained. I have cherished, succored, and supported her, from her earliest infancy to her sixteenth year, and so amply has she repaid my care and affection, that my fondest wish is now circumscribed by the desire of bestowing her on one who may be sensible of her worth, and then sinking to eternal rest in her arms. Thus it has happened that the education of the father, daughter, and granddaughter has devolved on me. What infinite misery have the two first caused me! Should the fate of the dear survivor be equally adverse, how wretched will be the end of my cares, the end of my days! Even had Madame Duval merited the charge she claims, I fear my fortitude would have been unequal to such a parting. But being such as she is, not only my affection, but my humanity, recoils at the barbarous idea of deserting the sacred trust reposed in me. Indeed, I could but ill support her former yearly visits to the respectable mansion at Howard Grove. Pardon me, dear madam, and do not think me insensible of the honour which your ladyship's condescension confers upon us both. But so deep is the impression which the misfortunes of her mother have made on my heart, that she does not, even for a moment, quit my sight without exciting apprehensions and terrors which almost overpower me. Such, madam, is my tenderness, and such my weakness. But she is the only tie I have upon earth, and I trust to your ladyship's goodness not to judge of my feelings with severity. I beg leave to present my humble respects to Mrs. and Miss Mirvan, and have the honour to be, madam, your ladyship's most obedient and most humble servant, Arthur Villars. End of Letter 2